I'm finna put all this in my book bag, cause I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Break Into Security, Is It Broken? And I am your host, Akil Ambition Phillips. And today we are talking about the MITRE ATT&CK matrix. And more importantly, we're talking about initial access. Let's go ahead and get into it, right? So a little bit about myself, right? It, because it is a presentation, we kind of got to do it in presentation. We don't have to, but I want to. So man, anyway, here's a little bit about myself. I have about 14 years of information technology experience, information security, and cybersecurity experience. Um, a United States Marine Corps veteran, right? Hurrah, Semper Fi for the, uh, those brothers out there. If you know, you know, right? I'm a first generation American. Both of my parents are from Barbados. So I was raised uh, with a cultural upbringing from somewhere else, a little bit more uh, disciplined of an upbringing, a little bit more strict. And I was also raised in Brooklyn, New York, right? So Brooklyn, New York, New Yorkers have a uh, special place in my heart, right? Has a very special place in my heart. Uh, and because of that, you're going to get a very animated, uh, uh, some might say aggressive, but it is a pleasantly aggressive uh, presentation today and uh, podcast episode. So let's jump into it. And last but certainly not least, I am an avid anime, anime fan. So here's my thing. If you are a male over the age of 30, you probably like anime. So we, we relate. We relate. Friends? Friends? Yeah, friends. Let's, all right. Let me jump into it. Let's go ahead and jump into our presentation. Here's what we're going to go over. We're going to go over the agenda. Uh, then we're going to jump into the MITRE ATT&CK matrix. We're going to talk about why you should utilize the MITRE ATT&CK matrix. W what are we even talking about, right? And obviously, this is going to be for our cybersecurity professionals, right? Break into security. Um, so, Let's actually get a little bit more specific on who this is for. I, I'm going to stop right there. When I say this is for cybersecurity professionals, if you're breaking into the industry, this is a presentation for you. If you don't know what the MITRE ATT&CK matrix is, then this is for you. If you know what the MITRE ATT&CK matrix is, but you haven't had a chance to jump into it because you're working on a million different other things, this is also for you. Uh, so that is going to be answered. And that is why the uh, that's when we get over to why the MITRE ATT&CK matrix. So stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. From there, we're going to talk about the enterprise tactics, mobile tactics, and ICS, which is industrial control systems. So those are three different environments where MITRE can be applied. Ah, we're starting to give some hints, right? All right, stay tuned. Stay with me here. From there, we're going to do what I call a tactic, a deep dive, where we're going to actually look at initial access across uh, three different techniques uh, that you can use for initial access. Uh, which are going to include drive-by compromise, replication through removable media, and your supply chain compromise. So let's jump into it. The landscape. What does the landscape of cybersecurity look like in 2023? Well, congratulations. If you're breaking into the industry, you have just broken into all-out war. There are these things called advanced persistent threats, APTs. They're really just nation-state actors with all of the coolest technology, all of the latest gear, all of the biggest toys, and all of the funding, right? So these guys are going back and forth, stealing data, stealing companies' data for the benefit of countries' uh, political agendas, right? This is why you will often hear me say I am apolitical. Why? Because 
we're all doing something stupid, right? We're all doing something stupid. And everybody's just on the internet like, bro, I was just trying to look at cat memes. Meanwhile, Russia's attacking Ukraine. Uh, China's attacking different countries. The United States is doing what it's doing. We're a little bit more secret squirrel than everybody else. So you can't always tell what we're doing, right? Uh, you have espionage going on in the corporate environment, right? There are actually spies that work for uh, corporations. If this is starting to sound like your childhood spy fantasy, it should, because that's exactly what this is, almost, right? So let's talk about why this is actually real and why you're not actually dreaming. You are probably actually a part of the sleuthing community. Let's talk about it. The MITRE attack matrix is going to make you that much better when trying to understand what is going on throughout this community, right? When you see a supply chain attack, when you see APT28, when you see APT29, a big one that you're probably seeing a lot right now is the Lazarus group, right? How do we even understand Whiskey Tango Foxtrot is the Lazarus group, right? Because that's probably what you're thinking when I say certain terms. Here's what is happening. Here's what is happening. The MITRE attack matrix has been uh, collected by security professionals over the years, and we're talking about years, right? Uh, here's what I, uh, one tidbit of history that I can tell you. Uh, the United States Marine Corps really started its push in developing cyber operations around 2003. This is two years after uh, September 11th, right? How do I know? Because I was a part of one of their schools, I want to say about 11 years later, and one of the senior um enlisted professionals that was there taught us about these lessons he was in in 2003 and he gave us some of those lessons right uh so those lessons is that's where a lot of this stuff comes from so even way before that you can get into the history of cyber defense and see where there has been cause for us to analyze the uh tactics and techniques of the attackers so that is what the MITRE attack matrix is. Now, he, when you analyze tactics, techniques, and procedures, let's talk about it, right? When you analyze tactics, techniques, and procedures, might you end up with a very large list of things that people could possibly do, just like an attack, right? If, if you think of all of the possible ways in which a human can attack you with a blunt force weapon, right? You can go, well, there's fists, there's knives, there's weapon of opportunities, right? There could be a book, right? Born Ultimatum or the, the Born Trilogy, right? It, or even uh, John Wick, right? Could be a pencil. What, there's a ton of different ways that a person can attack you. But if you were to go Go ahead and say hey well it's high it's very likely that you get attacked with a book in a library then now you don't have to worry about uh book attacks when you're in the knife store you should probably worry about knife attacks when you're in the knife store that is what the miter attack matrix gives us access to you work in an enterprise so what are some of the attacks that you should be worried about inside your enterprise you have a mobile environment that you've deployed what are some of the things that you should be worried about there so let's talk about what how this actually came about right there's this legendary uh, scroll in the industry, right? I, I call it a legendary scroll. If this was an epic, if you were to go on a journey, right, to find your hero's journey, right? There would be a scroll that you discovered along this cybersecurity version of the journey called David Bianco's 
pyramid of pain. All of the true threat intelligence and cybersecurity professionals know about David Bianco's pyramid of pain. And here's how it goes. It says, look, at the very bottom of this pyramid, it's very easy for you to change certain values. Hashes can change pretty much on their own. There's polymorphic viruses out there which store binaries, so they change their hash values, right? Uh, IP addresses, look, IP config space release and renew, right? No problem there. You've got a new IP address. Domain names, no problem. Network and host artifacts. I literally have a PowerShell script that changes my uh, host name simply because I share my host uh, so much that I don't want anybody looking for my host name at a location while I'm on a network, right? So I, it's easily changed. Your tools, yeah, it's challenging to learn new tools, but uh. Let's be honest, not all of that big of a deal. That's what programmers are. They learn new tools all the time. We have an understanding of these things, but you know what's very hard to change? I bet you you woke up this morning and when you were putting on shoes, you put on one sock, then a uh, another sock, and then you put on both shoes, right? So you put on sock, sock, shoe, shoe, right? Or you're weird, right? And or let's let's use a better term. You're eccentric and you put on sock, shoe, sock, shoe. Either which way, the way you do things is the way that you do things. That's all we're saying here, right? So this is even true when you look at the uh, TTPs of a nation state actor. It doesn't matter that uh, China is hiring the best threat actors. It doesn't matter that the United States is hiring the best threat actors. It doesn't matter that Russia is hiring the best threat actors. What really matters here is that the way that attackers attack is unique to their attack methodology. That becomes a signature of how this group acts. So how can we use the MITRE attack to learn more about these things? And before the end of this, you're actually going to get an update directly from the current industry in some of the things that we're seeing and how it applies to an APT that is currently active right now on the landscape, on the cyber threat landscape. Let's talk about, uh, before we get into that though, let's talk about the MITRE enterprise tactics. What are we talking about when we say MITRE enterprise tactics? There are 14 different tactics that are utilized within enterprises in order to get in and steal your data. You have reconnaissance, which means you're gathering information, resource development, initial access, which we're talking about today. We're gonna deep dive into initial access, right? You have execution, persistence, again, APTs, privilege escalation, so on and so forth. Look, I could go through all 14, but I, I think this is a podcast, not a, you know, it's, it's not a class presentation. You're probably on the road driving. You don't have time to list me for me to list 14 things. And I don't expect for you to listen to 14 things while you're driving, right? I should be getting you from light A to light B. So let's go ahead and move on to the next one. You can always come back to this recording. If you go into the description, you're going to find this actual presentation in the description, right? The video and all of that, I'll make sure that you guys have access to all of it. So let's go ahead and jump into the mobile tactics what are we talking about when we say mobile right we're talking about your cell phones right we walk around with these phones in our pockets all day look there here i'll tell you guys a story right uh i live in uh <laughs> i live in california i was literally i was gonna say conspirafornia right why am i saying conspirafornia because there are nothing but conspiracy theorists out there so one of the popular conspiracies if you have friends that start conspiracies you've probably heard of is something called the quote unquote 
mark of the beast. This is where everybody gets marked and tracked by, you know, uh, super secret world Illuminati organization. Well, here is something that we were having a conversation about. I had a, a group of friends and someone said, what do you think about this? Uh, them putting a chip in us so that they can track everything that we do. And that may be seeming a little bit daunting today, but here's what I pointed out to everyone in the room. Why do I have to put a chip in you if I can get you to carry around the chip without me actually doing any surgery? Isn't it a lot easier to just hand you an iPhone? That's how important mobile tactics are. Look, I'm not saying that I believe in conspiracy theories. I'm not saying that I don't because I don't want to have that argument either. I don't want to argue with anyone. What I am telling you is that, that conspiracy theory perfectly helps you understand how important phones are to our human nature. That's all I'm pointing out here. So these are the 12 different ways that attackers start to attack your cellular device. Then there are industrial control systems, industrial control control systems this is where it really gets wonky right here what do i mean wonky well you might have watched live free died hard as you were growing up right and you were like no uh you can't shut down cars with ele uh, electromagnetic pulses and electromagnetic inference tee hee hell yes you can yes you can yes you can right um well there are limitations, there are limitations, but it is possible. And what the ICS tactics kind of point out is that the whole theme of that movie, shutting down the power grids with electromagnetic pulses, it's not a far-fetched thing to think of. There are attacks that are launched on your power grids, on your nuclear facilities, that attack the very backbone infrastructure of how you live your life, right? NotPetya was one such example. If you're wondering what is NotPetya, it's only the largest attack in history, right? Russia launches this attack at Ukraine, shutting down their entire, entire country, right? If you wanted to go buy milk or go on the train, again, you were affected by NotPetya. Why? Because of a type of attack that we're going to talk about today. Actually, NotPetya was a supply chain attack. We're going to talk about another type of supply chain attack here in a moment. But before we do, let's just go ahead over this slide. These are all of the tactics associated with initial access for your enterprise environment, your mobile environment, and your ICS, your industrial control environment. And as you can see, mobile has the least, right? So if you are studying how, uh, if you're a SOC analyst and you really want to pay attention and gain an understanding of how do they get into our cellular devices? Not a lot of things that you have to uh, practice and make sure that you keep an eye on there, but enterprise and industrial control systems, there is a lot more going on there, right? And one of the things that we haven't really taken into consideration in these uh, two areas, or actually, I think it actually has been added in, is operational technology and IoT. So those things actually count as well, right? Now here you can see that I have stars and next to three different uh, types of techniques. There are drive by compromise your supply chain attacks and your removable uh, replication through removable media. Let's go ahead and talk about each one and why do I have those there because you can find those three types in each 
type or each environment, each matrix environment has those three types. So it stands to reason to me as a cybersecurity professional that it is to my best interest to make sure that I understand these three types, at least for initial access moving forward, especially if I want to have a conversation about initial access, right? So let's go ahead and give you guys some more conversation starters. Let's say for drive-by compromise, and we're only really looking at enterprise uh, examples. Uh, look, here's the honest truth. You're going to find a lot more enterprise examples than you will any other ones but as the t uh, history goes on you guys are going to see that we're going to start seeing a lot more uh cybersecurity reports uh, on uh ics systems and mobile networks just because I, I think it's a matter of time before your cellular networks start to do away with some of the traditional enterprise networks right it's only a matter of time it's only a matter of time now Let's go ahead and jump into it. First off, we have our uh, tactic codes here. I think that should actually be 11, not 111, but don't worry about it. It's a little typo. And we're talking about drive-by compromise. Now for drive-by compromise, we're gonna talk about LockBit 3.0. Now LockBit 3.0 is a ransomware as a service. Now, the main thing that we're focusing on with the LockBit 3.0 isn't the fact that it encrypts your data and then asks you for money so that you could see your own data. Type push is that right now what it really does uh what we're really focusing on rather is how it got in how did it get in something called drive-by compromise maybe you were perusing a website and you ended up on a website that had this malicious binary on it and now all of a sudden boom you've got lockbit 3.0 now some defenses uh may include at least for lockbit 3.0 you want to make sure you have a good business reco recovery plan and continuity of operations because that's going to hit hard right uh move to a zero trust model a zero trust model when we say no trust but verify uh no trust but verify is what the term is is actually taken from a russian proverb but that proverb is uh, gonna help you out a whole lot no uh the proverb itself is trust but verify but zero trust uh, is a no trust, but verify, right? Uh, and why are we talking about uh, no trust and verify policies for RDP and SMB? Because a lot of your LockBit 3.0, a lot of your ransomware is spread through something called Eternal Blue, uh, which has been a lot of the genesis for our, our ransomware variants within recent years. You probably also wanna make sure that you're reviewing your containment policies within your EDR tools and make sure that you want, uh, you can also utilize honey files for early detection. So what do I mean by early detection? We wanna go ahead and grab a file and configure it with a trip for, tripwire or any sort of alerting uh, technology that you have in your environment. And anytime that file is touched, um, you wanna make sure that it sends you an alert right away. Now that type of early detection can allow you to roll out playbooks if you have a SOAR or any other type of technology uh, for automation that could allow the containment uh, of that ransomware a lot earlier. So a lot sooner rather than later, right? And that's what you wanna do with the ransomware. You wanna control the spread, right? There's also replication through uh, removable media. Now, when we talk about replication through removable media, we are talking about the AR crypto ransomware. Now, I know from ransomware to ransomware, yes, yes, from ransomware to ransomware. Here is what we were talking about with AR crypto. AR crypto was a ransomware that actually targeted a uh, targeted a government 
uh, organization. So they they targeted Chile. They targeted Chile's government and their Food and Drug uh, Surveillance Institute. Now they did get in through removable media. Now, removable media, let me go ahead and give you guys some additional information here. Removable media is becoming something that is really interesting if you ask me. What do I mean by that? Because I don't think that we need to be as worried about, you know, walking through the parking lot and there's flash drives all over the place. Everybody knows not to pick up flash drives anymore, right? But what about this, right? And I, I, tell, my, uh, I tell my students when I'm training for uh, the Security Plus about this sort of stuff all the time, right? Um, malicious cables, I think, are a far greater threat when we talk about removable media access and uh, malware spreading through removable media than your actual flash drives and USB drives. Here's why. Because let's scroll down here, and thanks, Maurice uh, Associates, for this uh, example, right? Can you tell the difference between which one of these is a malicious cable or not? No, you cannot. And how eager are you often to just charge your phone, right? I know people that if their phone touches yellow or red, they will lose it, right? They're stopping at gas stations to buy new uh, chargers, that sort of thing. And the only way that we're telling that you can tell uh, the only way that we can tell whether or not a cable is malicious nowadays is going to be infrared detection. So that's something that's really interesting. So keep that one in your pocket. If that scares you, maybe it should. Maybe stop using people's cables. Huh? No, these are jokes, right? Uh, highly unlikely that you have any data that people care about <laughs> for them to use malicious cables. I hope not. I hope not. But here are some defenses, right? You want to inventory and approve all removable media. And if you are worried about the cabling issue, use a USB data blocker. Now, what this is going to do is allow the passing of electrical signal for charging the device, but not the transfer of data. And also, I'm going to recommend that you do some level of seam alerting here. We're not going to go too deep on this one. Uh, we are going to jump into the star of the show. Why do I consider this one the star of the show? Well, 3CX has been in the media over the uh, last couple of months, right? And here's why. They were found out to be a part of a supply chain attack. The CEO, Nick Galea, literally said that their software was compromised to include malware. And he recommends everybody switches over to, I think this says PCA, should be PWA, their uh, web agent, right? So their web agent that is one of the uh defenses so that really speaks more and sounds more like a diversity based tactic than a actual technical solution uh keep that one in mind there now you also are going to want to make sure that you update your edr tools and really rely on your edr vendor for malware detection here with uh this type of attack uh especially with a supply chain attack and the 3cx malware now you may be saying what is 3cx malware used for VoIP, voice over IP. So this is a phone software that is used in a ton of Fortune 500 companies across the world. Now, this is really what I think is interesting here are two things, two notes. Um, number one, we found out that 3CX is a part of the TTPs of a, a uh, subsection or an offshoot of the Lazarus Group, right? The Lazarus Group is a very famous uh, APT group 
out of North Korea. And one more thing that we found out uh, yesterday, I actually reposted this on my LinkedIn, was Brian Krebs came out. Now, if you don't know who Brian Krebs is, Krebs on Security is one of the best sources for security reports, right? Uh, he's done amazing in terms of reporting what is going on with information security over the years. And he recently came out and said that we found out that 3CX was a double supply chain attack. So I, I was joking about it and I said, look, the blue team is on the ropes and uh, they're having a problem catching the jab and oh, the red team starts throwing doubles, right? I imagine that a sports commentator would have that response. So this is what we're talking about when we say the initial, uh, the initial access uh, and how it's done. This is the uh, what we're talking about now with supply chain, what we're saying is that the malware is introduced through a piece of software that you are using within your business processes. It's mission critical. The malware is now part of the mission critical package. That is what we're talking about. Now, this is where you're seeing DevSecOps and secure coding become a larger part of the cybersecurity conversation. For years, we were ignoring those things and really only talking about infrastructure. But nowadays, if you are breaking into the industry, one additional thing you're going to have to learn about is DevSecOps and CICD. Because secret, uh, not secret scanning, but uh, SCA, software composition analysis, which would have checked for the malicious or uh, would have checked for dependencies. And you could actually go ahead and make sure that you are testing those dependencies uh, to make sure that everything is good to go uh, in your software, right? That's what you're going to want to use here. That is one uh, additional defense that, that you may have. So when I say software composition analysis, that is something that uh, 3CX and their team could have done in order to figure out some of these things a little bit sooner, right? Now, that is our presentation. That is our episode for today, you guys. Until the next episode, and for those of you who are looking to break into the industry, might I recommend do projects, do research, uh, do as much as you can in order to set yourself apart and document those projects, right? Um, now, any last words that I would have for you if you're breaking into the industry or maybe you want to push your career forward? The only thing that I can tell you, and I guarantee you, it's going to be the most important thing that I I've said during this entire talk. Kobe Bright.